0: My name is John Gilpatrick, and joining me is Aaron Pinkston. Aaron, how are you?
1: I was doing better about ten minutes ago when we started this call for the first time.
0: <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll uh, keep
1: behind the curtain, <laughs> and, you know, we gotta we gotta be honest here. You know, yes, you know, this folks, is The second we're,
0: time we're recording this introduction,
1: <laughs> we're you know we're we're looking out for the people who. I'm not gonna, you know, recan all my brilliant jokes that I said the first time we went through this. That's fine, you know. Don't worry. But uh, but now people know it, so they know they can they can point at you and boo.
0: (laughs) I I welcome (laughs) it. The other voice you hear, Sarah Gore. Sarah, what's going on?
2: I'm still a ghost because I died last week.
0: Oh, you did. Can you tell us about Mm -hmm. that?
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Scripted laughter. Nobody
2: for me. It's not scripted if it's true. I'm just sharing facts.
1: Fair (laughs) enough. Um, Yes, we... The
2: election killed me. We don't have to (laughs) rehash
0: it. The election killed Sarah, but uh, her voice and spirit are still with us to talk about another epic American disaster in the Poseidon Adventure uh, my choice this week for our uh, essential movie of the week—it's uh, a 1972 shipwreck uh, adventure epic from director Raul Nemi or Neme. Uh, still don't know how to pronounce it. Uh,
1: <laughs> hey, if, if if you wanted people to pronounce it correctly, you would have had a name that you could pronounce.
0: Yes, that's, that's true. Post. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely won't. Um, <laughs> Um, But yeah, so uh, like I was saying earlier, this is uh, the first film um, that we're talking about on the podcast that – I chose, and um, so I think that I'll just kind of jump right in and explain why I subjected you both to it. But um, it's a movie that I watched at a really young age, probably too young to be perfectly honest. I don't know if my dad's listening, but Dad, I'm I'm judging you. Uh, he he shared it with me. He was a big fan of it. It came out in 1972, and he was you know like 17, 18 years old and uh he really enjoyed it. He's a big Gene Hackman fan also and and so am I so it was kind of fun. But yeah, I I watched it and it was the first sort of disaster movie that I saw um I think I really enjoyed I enjoyed the formulaicness I guess of it um and I still do to a certain extent but I think that a recent watch like a late summer early fall Um, kind of uh, hit home that there's a little bit more going on in this movie than there are some of the other movies from the era that are like it, like uh, Airport and uh, The Towering Inferno and stuff like that. Uh, But Aaron, this was the first time you saw the Poseidon Adventure, correct?
1: You know, I I was aware of the film. Um, One of the theaters here in Chicago, one of the great theaters, uh, the Music Box Theater, shout-outs to them, good people. Uh, they program the Poseidon Adventure every New Year's Eve. Uh, and uh, I've noticed, you know, that come through every year and been sort of curious about it because it's not, I mean, it's, it's not exactly, uh, you know, on, on the pedestal of, of the all time great classics or anything. No, it's not but, on
0: any sort of like AFI list <laughs> or anything like that.
1: <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, it, it always kind of made me wonder, what the affinity was for that? Um, they apparently they uh, they give a champagne toast to all of the people who come. I, I'm guessing they're all in like 19 like 70s uh, clothing, and and there's some some great facial hair going on, and, and
2: famous dresses that turn into shorts. Yes.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, can can we talk about? We don't have to do it now, but. Can we talk about Gene Hackman's sideburns for about an hour at some point? Yes. I think they'll need
2: uh, <laughs> to, to really express how, just how great they are.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that it's a it's a movie that people would be nostalgic for, such as You Are John. I am. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a big Hollywood throwback blockbuster. So there's, there's definitely, I think, an appeal there to get fussied up and, and go out to the movies on a, uh, on a cold late New Year's Eve in Chicago and, and uh, have a good time.
0: I would enjoy that a lot. Sarah, would you enjoy that a lot?
2: I would enjoy it uh, uh, as an amount, some amount.
0: <laughs> Can you tell us how much of an amount?
2: <laughs> um. Yeah, no, so I haven't seen this either. And, I think I had it in my head that I, I thought it was supposed to be like just a truly terrible movie, but I actually think I was remembering the sequel, which I think was universally panned, like yeah. the later seventies or something like that. I think it came out. We'll talk um, about that. So, later. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't I didn't really know anything about this. Um Yeah, and I think I, I ended up wanting to enjoy it probably a little more than I did, which was surprising because I actually am no stranger to campy like delightfulness uh, Um, as a person that has seen Valley of the Dolls probably at least 10 times.
0: (laughs) We should do that Um, sometime.
2: It's the best movie ever. I I
0: would enjoy that a lot.
2: Um, But yeah, no, so yeah, not not too much of a any like resonance for me, but I was excited to watch it and I'm excited to talk about it with you guys today. Are
0: either of you, I guess Aaron, maybe you can start like generally a fan of these like sort of big set piece set action adventure movies
1: um i don't know i i don't wouldn't say i am particularly though i haven't seen a lot of the big 1970s standouts like i've never seen airport never seen the towering inferno um so i mean the most of the only disaster movies i've seen are like movies that have came out you know while i've been alive yeah so I'm probably not the best person to answer that specific question, or don't really have an opinion on it. But I mean, there's certainly a genre that is, you know, worth sort of. I mean, it has a place in cinema history. You know, yeah. uh, I don't. I don't think you know. It'll it'll never have this sort of following that like film noir does, or any other sort of big cinema period. But yeah. I don't think it'll ever be totally forgotten even if it's just because of airplane right
2: i went on the ride earthquake at universal studios which is kind of like seeing the movie earthquake if you think about it
0: i've been on that ride too
2: there was flames that was cool yeah water you know all the elements all the elements were there it was great
1: (laughs) should we uh take a field trip (laughs)
0: That would be fun. We can uh, we can live record an episode while we're riding Earthquake. Actually, I don't know that Earthquake is still at Universal
2: Studios. I don't think it? it. I don't think <laughs> it does. I think it was replaced with a movie people have actually heard of.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what I was thinking. What um, would
1: the what would the Poseidon Adventure Universal Studios ride be like? Ah,
0: uh, I don't know. I could picture it more as like one of those like fun house things, you know that you, like, walk through, yeah. and there's, like, each room is sort of, like, a different type attraction versus an actual okay. ride, but, you know, s- someone, uh, more creative and-, and brighter than I could probably concoct a ride, too. <laughs> well,
2: well, it's you like, it's just, look like, at the people universal on the phone, you guys, we've got an idea for you.
1: Yeah, yeah you
2: guys, it, a new ride.
1: There's the part where you fall to your certain death. There's the part where you climb a giant fake Christmas tree.
2: Can
0: we all go underwater for a really long time too? That would be yeah. dangerous.
1: Yeah, it would be dangerous. <laughs> well, only if you are you uh, through,
0: you get a medal.
1: <laughs> yeah, only There's if still... you still have a medal from when you were a kid and were a swimming champion. Swimming champion. For- no reason until it becomes pertinent to the narrative. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sure and then, we'll- there's,
2: then there's the part um, the part in the ride where they, they separate all the men and the women, and all the women just scream, I can't! Or, I'm scared! Oh, but we'll other,
1: get, we'll get into that more. I know so that. Then,
2: but then all the guys are like, I'm saving you. It's cool. It's, it's, it's my favorite part.
1: Um, I bet.
0: Yeah, I figured it would be. Um, I'm assuming that there are probably more people listening to this episode that haven't seen this movie than any of the other movies we've talked about so far. So I want to take just a really quick minute and explain sort of the premise before we jump too far into plot holes slash uh, (laughs) funny inside jokes. But basically... The Poseidon is this big, giant ocean liner. It's on its last voyage from New York to Athens, which, just side note, sounds like the worst ship ride, like, in history. And at one point, somebody does say, why didn't we just take a plane, which is really the question of the movie. But, um, so it's on its way, and somewhere, I guess, uh, in, I think they're in the Mediterranean by the time this happens, but, like, a giant wave comes and uh, completely turns the boat over so it's upside down a bunch of people died and uh, there's Gene Hackman who plays Reverend Scott and he realizes that if they're going to get saved they need to make their way to the bottom of the boat which technically now is the top of the boat um, and they are going to get rescued nobody really knows how but conceivably uh, they have well, a better no, chance up there they, yeah they,
1: they clearly, they, the, the the precocious little boy of the group, <laughs> yeah. clearly knows that there there is a, a certain section of uh, one of the the rooms at the bottom of the of the ship where the the steel is only one inch thick, as compared <laughs> to the rest of the bottom of the boat. So Sorry,
2: I, I think it's it was found that line early on where I wrote uh, in my notes. Small child is terrible. I hope he dies.
0: (laughs) And he almost does, but we'll get to that later, too. Um, Right. But, yeah, so uh, they're going to make their way to now, like, what is the top of the ship and get saved through the one inch of steel, as Aaron pointed out. Um, But nobody believes, uh, Reverend Scott, that this is actually feasible and that they're much better off waiting um, in the ballroom for help to arrive underwater, I guess, through the submarines.
1: Just the stupidest people (laughs) (laughs)
0: so he rounds up a crew of i guess about 10 to uh go on this uh poseidon adventure if you will and uh everybody else uh drowns so there you go
1: can can we actually start there i'm wondering what you guys think of the title of this movie um because this isn't an adventure this is like people walking through a boat right i i mean with with uh you know having to overcome certain uh certain death of you know by water or fire or whatever else climbing the death of climbing, death of climbing. uh <laughs> but I, I think the title is kind of funny that it's it it it, it gives the impression of some big like epic journey yeah and it's not.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. Um, to be fair, it is based off of a novel, which was called The Poseidon Adventure.
1: Ah, uh, so that was about a big epic journey. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, I see. I see.
0: So, uh, so, yes, that is, I think, where it comes from. And I don't know if it was a super popular novel in its day. I'm not really sure. I never read it. I do want to talk really briefly about that at some point. But, um, but yes, that's where it comes from. So, I guess maybe they didn't have too much say in the matter. Um, so, so yeah, that's the setup. And really that's like, I get I don't know if I went too far into it, but that's like half the movie. Uh, yeah. I
1: mean, it's, it's a pretty high concept. I mean, once the boat tips over, they try to get out.
0: Yeah, basically. But we spend a lot yeah. of time uh, before the actual wave hits with the, um, with the, this group of characters, you know, all of whom we, we sort of know. So we know that they are the ones that are going to go on the adventure and not going to say, sit and wait. But, um, like I said, Gene Hackman is sort of their leader. You've got five Oscar winners in the cast, which is,
1: yeah, amazing. it's, I mean, it is a great, it's a great, it's cast.
0: incredible. So Gene Hackman, you've got Ernest Borgnine as Rogo. Uh, that's, Rogo. uh yeah, rog- rog- I love the name Rogo. It's such an awesome name. Um, and he is a, a a cop who is on the ship with his wife, uh Linda. Um, and they have an interesting relationship.
1: Oh uh, yeah. That's her, baby. That's, that that that's a fun talking point. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. that, I think. <laughs> uh
0: you've got uh Shelley Winters and uh it, and her it, in the movie her husband is played by Jack Albertson, who is uh Grandpa Joe from Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Or no, <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Willy Wonka Frank. and the Chocolate That's and right. They play the Rosens who are going to, I guess, take a boat from New York to Athens, Greece, so they can fly to Israel.
2: Yeah, I have a lot of notes about how I really <laughs> did not understand where this boat was going because all these people were like, we're going to Africa. I'm like, we're going to go to Israel. And I was like, what? boat is this <laughs> it's 1972 it's not like
0: 19, 1872 that that you need a boat to get places i i don't totally get it either yes gene yeah. is a reverend who is like a little bit too radical for i guess his church in america so he gets like exiled to africa but i don't scientific. see why
2: god wants winners not quitters
0: yes yes that's true the famous
2: I guess not famous line from his sermon that I <laughs> it's adorable. definitely
0: a famous line from his sermon. Cause I wrote that down too. Yep. Um, the, the fifth and final Oscar winner in the bunch is, uh, is red buttons. And he plays, Best uh, name ever. yes, he plays Mr. Martin. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you've got two, uh, two, uh, younger people, children, um, in the, in the mix, and uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a ragtag group, and they need to do put themselves into uh, a whole bunch of really crazy scenarios to uh, to make it to their destination, and, and some of them don't.
1: Um, a ragtag group of mostly 50 somethings.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a radical difference in like a teen year old and a child <laughs> Yeah
0: <laughs> um, I wanted to mention earlier When we were talking about the uh, novel But one of the uh, screenwriters So he, he did not write the novel But he wrote the screenplay His name is Sterling Siliphant
2: Whoa I what? just think
0: that's a really I'm We crazy. talked about Red Buttons as a great name I think Sterling Siliphant is a really great
2: name You should hang out
1: Mr. Yeah. Fancy Pants. <laughs> um,
2: Mr. Also, Fancy Pants and Mr. American Joe. That's Red Buttons.
1: Red Buttons, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: so I guess um, before we get into some of the silliness, I do I do want to address the idea that this is a, a more thoughtful uh, disaster movie than pretty much any other one that you can find. And one of the scenes that I highlighted in my opening piece, which you can read on the sinessential.com is the one in which basically 90% of the people on the boat die. Um, and you have Reverend Scott slash Gene Hackman, like just, he's always shouting and he's just screaming at everyone. You need to come with us. You need to climb the aluminum Christmas tree to freedom. (laughs) and uh and no one wants to because he just seems like a real whack job um but he knows he's right and so he just he just kind of goes on and then as he's like standing there like about to like say goodbye to all these people like the water comes rushing in and they're all screaming and now they need his help and like he's not really in a position to give it so yeah um, he basically just kind of closes the door and, and has to, like, let them all die. And I just thought that that scene was um, was handled really well in the context of the movie. I mean, as well as as it can be, that you're, like, going to kill all these people in an agonizing sort of way. But I like... <sighs> That he sort of has, he has like a final moment with the other reverend on on the boat, right? Where he says like, "Are like, aren't you going to come with me? Didn't you like my sermon today? Where I tried to tell everybody you need to take your fate into your own hands." And uh, the other reverend's like, "Yeah, not really." Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, it, it definitely feels like it's an allusion to something. I don't know if it was some sort of sentiment, political sentiment at the time, or something biblical i'm not sure but it 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 definitely felt that it was uh speaking to um some sort of general um uh general thought that society had or something I, i i don't know what it would what it is or what it would be but definitely has that feeling especially since late in the film they come across another group of people who came Maybe they weren't at the party or something. I don't know. Uh, and and basically have the same exact uh, conversation at that point, too. Um, though those people are trying to get out, but they're not, you know, people can't listen to each other. I, I don't know if that's some sort of societal metaphor that the filmmakers were trying to speak on. Um, but it felt like it. And, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, that's uh, certainly more interesting than just being big and dumb. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Uh, Sarah, do you have any thoughts on this?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> oh, Ghost of Sarah, I... do you
0: have any thoughts about this? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, I tried to see something, but I just, I just couldn't see... A message or anything beyond just like, this is an adventure movie and a bunch of people are going to die and we want these people to live for reasons that are mostly unclear. Really like awesome. I guess yeah. because the camera spends the most time with them, we're like we want you to live. Sorry, who are they? Uh, the Rosens. Uh, them I liked. Okay. They were fine. They can stay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hackman is terrible. I hate reference guy. He is so goddamn obnoxious. And, like, I just seem like, I was like, is the movie trying to teach me that Reverend Scott's just right all the time? Is that the lesson? So, like, everybody should listen to him always?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it does certainly have that. um, It certainly does have that sort of feeling where, sort of tied into what I was talking to, like, the people who are obviously wrong are, like, so wrong. They're, like, stubborn about being wrong. Right. Uh, which I think is part of the point, potentially. But um, yeah, I mean that that certainly is kind of a frustrating thing. I mean, the the people who stay behind in the in the ballroom are just so obviously dumb um, <laughs> that it's like it's probably worth it, you know, that they're all being taken out. Uh, I mean-
0: I think that there's, like, so, you know, this movie came out in the early 1970s, and we're in the throes of the Richard Nixon presidency, and I don't know about you guys, this is a little bit of an aside, but every movie I've watched since Election Day, I can't help but relate in some way to like uh trumpism and politics yeah. and it's been interesting but also really depressing because i can't escape yeah in sort of my ultimate yeah. form of escapism but that's <laughs> uh that's a conversation for my uh for my psychiatrist um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but what i want to say is that you know we're right in the middle of the uh nixon presidency and like i sort of like saw that as a a veiled attempt at saying like here are the authority figures these are the people on the boat they're the first mate or the uh i can't remember what they call them but basically like the people the in purser? suits yeah purser thank you the purser yeah. and they're saying like everyone stay here like you will be safe here and they're like I think, obviously lying, but they don't know what else to do. And so everyone is just saying, like, okay, well, you're an authority figure, so we'll listen to you. And then here's this reverend who's saying, like, no, like, he's an authority figure, but he's obviously wrong. Do not listen to him. Take your fate into your own hands and, like, do something about it. And so, in that sense, I think that it is sort of a political statement. And you have the very, like, on-the-nose sort of physical uh, metaphor, wherein these people's lives are turned upside down when the ship turns upside down and Mm -hmm. it's sort of like how are you going to respond in that situation and I think that's like even a little bit timely right now
2: yeah I actually think there's plenty um that's pretty fair like there's I feel like there's a lot in there to to back up that reading of it um especially when you think about I feel like there's lots, like, there's like, multiple instances where someone in authority is trying to tell someone else what to do and they're like, no, like, your way is obviously, like, you need to make room for new ideas sort of a thing. Like, specifically thinking of the conversation between Reverend Scott and his... um, I don't know, I guess, like, pastor friend. I don't really understand what their relationship is. <laughs> he's just a uh, pastor friend. Yeah. The guy is older, so it seems like it's somewhat authoritative, like, that yeah. this other pastor has been doing it longer than he has. He's, um, yeah. he's the hot-shot pastor. He's got a crazy way of doing sermons. <laughs> um, sweet style. yeah but that uh he's like oh you know their conflict over you know his new style of you know delivering sermons or whatever and he's like not on board with it and then you find out like it's that's the person you should follow later and like the other guy wants to stay down there and you know he's going to die like the old way is dying like i don't know getting a little off track just trying to say that like i agree with what you were saying I see those threads there, even though I didn't at the when I was watching it. You know, I was just pretty focused on the surface level stuff, which in some ways was a little frustrating that I couldn't see beyond. Just like, why are they doing this way? Why is everyone terrible? This doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> so would you say that you couldn't see beyond the Poseidon adventure? Because that is the title of the movie ah! sequel.
2: Fired. <laughs> oh. Fired I uh, call boy. that
0: a really shitty transition, folks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, this movie has a sequel, which seems after you watch it probably a little bit hard to believe, but um, sequels are not a phenomenon of the 2000s. They very much exist back in the 1970s as well. And um, that movie, I actually haven't seen that movie, but I, I felt remiss to not bring it up. Um, it... Basically, posits that there is some sort of like treasure on the Poseidon.
1: <laughs> okay, good start. You got me. Proceed.
0: <laughs> and so they are there's like these two groups of competing um, treasure hunters that are going to go down and uh, find it. And they are led by are you ready for this?
2: I'm ready.
0: Michael Kane. And Telly Savalas.
2: I don't know the second one. Oh, you
1: Telly don't Savalas. know Telly Savalas?
2: No, the name is not ringing a bell right oh, now. Oh man,
0: Blowfeld in one of the old James Bond movies, and
1: yeah, uh, he was ah, Blofeld he's once, super cool um,
2: uh, shaved
0: head actor.
1: Okay. And he had a TV show for like a million years.
2: Yes, Sally but Ford I think what's important there. there is that to Aaron's earlier point, that sounds like an adventure. That sounds first of the title, an adventure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think so. I don't like. I said maybe. Maybe it's like a totally crazy non-adventure movie, but it sounds like an adventure.
1: Tully Savalas was Kojak on the yes,
2: Kojak. Oh, okay. I know. I that
0: wanted is. to say Cujo, but I knew that was wrong.
2: <laughs> no, that's I even I know that's wrong.
0: <laughs> um, yes, yeah, Sally Field and is also in it. Michael um, Caine, of
1: course, is from just three.
0: <laughs> yes, that is what you know. Michael Caine right. from right. Um, Slim Pickens uh Carl Malden and Peter Boyle who's the father on Everybody Loves Raymond. So another star studded uh adventure movie.
1: <laughs> Bring in the cast. No, that's that I mean, that's certainly the the time, you know, like so many of these there there are probably equivalences of all of these actors working today, but we don't have that perspective. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like these kind of guys who were just like, and, and the movie business is different too. So that that's kind of different, but like these like character actors who like can be revered now that their careers are over. And like, we have seen their whole careers played out and, and we've seen them in all of these crazy great movies. Like, you know, they're today. Like people are more likely to be in more bad movies. I feel, or like, character actors are more likely to star in movies that might may or may not be good but it's just kind of different but yeah i think that's kind of a sign of the times that uh you can get a cast like that together um you know they're not all hollywood stars no there are plenty of movies today that have just hollywood stars up and down the lineup but um anyway I digress.
0: Now, have either of you ever seen the remake of The Poseidon Adventure from 2006, which is just called Poseidon?
1: Oh, that's not about a, a, a sea god?
0: Uh, well, I guess if you want to call Kurt Russell a sea god, I'll let you have it, but... Yeah, okay. <laughs> I You're
2: only want on to call that now that you've mentioned it. <laughs> Kurt Russell, sea god.
0: Yes. Um, it is... Uh, that one is directed by uh, Wolfgang Peterson. And um, it is not... Somebody who knows
1: something about Deep Sea Adventures.
0: Yes, yes, right. So I got I get the choice. Uh, I've se- I watched this movie today. Um, so I could talk about it a little bit more intelligently than I could have, uh, considering the last time I saw it was when it came out 10 years ago. But it is... Uh, you know it's it's cleanly made right it's obviously got better special effects than the um 1972 version of the same story did but it is such a problematic movie in so many ways that like i we don't have enough time to get into all of them <laughs> all here's what i'm gonna say uh the movie stars kurt russell um richard Dreyfus is in it which is kind of cool um, we also have uh, Johnny Drama from Entourage and Fergie. So, there's
1: that. Ah, uh, yes. The movie that Fergie was in. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Near was the not... height of the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, a is, very right, I, specific time. <laughs> I remember. Yes, I remember that. I wouldn't um, have been able to tell you that, but I remember that.
0: Yes. And uh, also noteworthy about this movie and and just so horrifying is, I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, the Poseidon Adventure didn't really have any characters of color. Uh, <laughs> and mm-hmm. after seeing sure uh, Poseidon again, I might say that maybe that's for the best because... <laughs> uh, in- In Poseidon, uh, the one character of color is, of course, the first one to die. uh, But he, like, actually gets murdered by the group of survivors. Oh my god, no. Like, so... (laughs) I feel like I need to explain a little bit more, but they're, like, in an elevator shaft, and they're, like, trying to get across, like, in, with this sort of jerry-rigged, you know, table thing or whatever. It's, you know, it's very silly. But there's, like, the elevator is, like, burning above them and is, like, you know, ever you're waiting for it to kind of come crashing down. And so, of course, the last person they let across is the Hispanic waiter character, and he's, like, hanging on to the leg of somebody else.
1: And oh, no. So they kick him
0: off? Yeah, they're oh, they're they're no, like if, no, if, if yeah no I'm serious like if you don't kick him no, off then you're both gonna die so he's like okay sorry and he kicks him off and then why didn't
1: why we watch snooker. this movie guys
2: <laughs> yeah I think that's a different podcast
1: oh, that sounds awful yeah that was, um, it was, like,
2: I would good. like to pivot back to uh this this, this movie's cast of cast of characters who do you want to talk um, about so I have a question yeah, that okay. might be dumb. Uh, okay. And I will explain why I have to ask it. <laughs> There's
0: no such thing no. as okay. any question.
2: Um, well, is is it was it is it obvious like to especially to you, Aaron, first time seeing it? Um, is Mr. Martin coded as gay? Um, is that something you you that occurred to you, or you were like absolutely not, or I don't know? I
1: didn't really think about it that way, mm-hmm. but I think it's in hindsight. With you saying that, I think it's pretty obvious
2: okay what about you john yeah. that's something that you had thought on your many watches of this
0: well it wasn't something I thought about when I was like eight years old but uh, <laughs> but watching it these last two times recently I definitely thought that too yeah
1: so we should say Mr. Martin who is uh, red buttons his what? character is introduced because he's well he's he's an older man but he's he's his basically his character is that he's a bachelor he's been a lifelong bachelor mm-hmm. um, which he sort of pushes off that he's just too busy with his job like he works until 10 p.m on wednesdays and fridays
2: yes he's a haberdasher
1: he's a haberdasher yeah can i pause
0: there and say that i really wish he uh he opened uh when he met people with the line i'm in the fucking haberdashery business which is a
2: callback to the departed
0: (laughs) frank costello
2: yeah yeah i got you
1: and then, um, as the film goes on, uh, Martin sort of has sort of a fatherly, maybe a re- kind of romantic, but could totally just be a beard conver- uh, a relationship with a young musician who is saved um, uh, and whose brother uh, dies during the... Uh, Uh, during yeah during the the initial i mean even during the fall he he dies before everybody else does uh and he sort of shepherds her along through the maze of of obstacles that uh she can't do anything apparently she can't climb she can't swim she She can't look at stuff yeah so um but it 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 is i mean it's i think they're i mean they're i think they're giving you enough to make you kind of think that it is supposed to be sort of like a budding possible romance. Um but I think
2: so. Well, I, I mean, was too much that was just like, okay, sweetheart, it, it, it's all right. Like, like a little, yeah. too, like a little less, uh, like, I've got you. I'm going to save you the way obviously,
0: it's like yeah, trying I mean, to be more
2: romantic. And it's more just like, you're okay, stop crying. Like right. I understand feelings. Because right. all the other men just like shout really loud. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: I think that's <laughs> I think that's a good observation. Um I mean they do little things like the person who she's acquainted with who dies is her brother. Like it could have easily been her boyfriend, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. which could have made it more difficult to make it sort of a romantic transition. That would um, be
2: really weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, he's like doting on her, like, in a in a strange way throughout that isn't like he, and he's not like the, he's not the manly man that, uh, that the Reverend is or that mm-hmm. Rogo is. Um, because if you have three manly men in your group, then, you know, how are you going to contain them? Yeah. So yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's pretty spot on. Um, I have a question for you, Sarah. Sure. Okay. So, on our last episode in Election, uh, I think one of our better conversations of that podcast was kind of wondering whether this was, uh, whether Election was uh, a feminist film, which was an argument people had had. So, Sarah, I want you to make the, the feminist case for the Poseidon picture, <laughs> <laughs> if you can uh, take that I just down. hang up. I just hang up. With the the so ghost I think of Sarah is now dead. <laughs> so, yeah. this, this is a very interesting movie in terms of, of the female characters, in that there are four main female characters who are basically in the same room together the entire movie and in the same little group, and I don't think the movie passes the Bechdel test.
2: No, it doesn't.
1: No. Like, I mean, well,
2: I say that a, t- that a little too commonly, not having specifically watched that in mind, so theoretically it could maybe pass, but just I feel like all they ever talked about was what the reverend wanted to do where he was gonna go who needed right. to get married and when <laughs> like what, what well, about my grandchild what about my brother what about i don't know
1: Just... I, I don't recall any specific direct conversation that two women had with each other it was all women talking to the men and then the men talking yeah. to the men they're all yeah.
0: partnered up with a man or a boy
2: yeah right mm. yeah it's so bizarre Yeah, and I I will say that that is honestly like it. That was one of my big hangups. Was it was a little hard to get get over some of that stuff. Uh, Like my my notes got progressively uh, crazed (laughs) the more time went on. (laughs) Like there's uh, I will actually I will read a a short segment of them for you. Oh
1: good. Um,
2: which is when Mrs. Rosen is trying to tell everyone. I can hold my breath. I was a champion swimmer when I was a kid. I can hold my breath much longer than you. Let me swim, you know, through this, you know, perilous underwater, like, course. And, um, you know, I, this is something I can do. Let me do it. And they all just go, no. Just, <laughs> no, you can't. And they start ignoring her. So then I started writing all of these notes down. I was like, she can hold her breath for three minutes and he won't let her. This is bullshit. <laughs> and then, then they finally do let her, and she dumps. She dives in. I was like, "Yes, please save his dumb ass." Followed by the note, "What the fuck did she die?" And then she didn't for a second. I was like, "Oh, she's okay. She saved him." And then I just wrote, "Fuck you." She, she saves him and then dies in the most hilarious way I've ever seen in a movie, where she's just. Talking like a normal human being, and then she clutches her heart and goes, <laughs> <Dead>. My heart.
1: <laughs> <sighs> poor, poor Shelly Winters.
2: <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> this movie is in some ways emblematic of Shelly Winters' the second half of her career.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it just feels so bad for her. Like the the character that they write for Shelly Winters, who is like one of the legit, one of the greatest actresses to ever live.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the entire movie is just like making fun of her for being fat and like not being, you know, not letting her do anything. Like there's a, there's a part where there's a a sort of a hole that everybody has to climb through like an open grate or something. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, obviously everybody is going to be able to fit through this. And they like spend like what feels like 10 minutes, like wondering if she can fit through it.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah it's
1: just like it's so
2: bad
0: uh you guys she was nominated for an Oscar for this movie.
2: I saw that afterward, and I was just baffled i was like <laughs> what what did they not give her an Oscar for that they were like? <laughs> I know she more she's great, she's always
1: great, like right. she's great i mean she's the she's good in this, she's great in this, yeah, but the character is like it's like the worst character ever.
2: Yeah, it, it I,
1: could be on the Mount Rushmore of like worst of of worst characters to give a great performer.
2: <laughs> yeah, I it was just every single woman. All they do is either literally shout, "I can't," "I'm scared," "I can't again," like a second time. They just keep saying, "I can't," um, or like, "Where is whatever man?" Like, "Where are they? Where are they? Where they're whatever, not here? Man. I can't <laughs> see them. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with this." <laughs>
0: um. So you would say it's not a feminist movie.
2: <laughs> no, I'm going to give it a hard no. I did have a question where I wondered, uh, sort of tangentially, is Stella the inspiration for Willie in Temple of Doom? Because good God, did they seem like the same person to me and that I hated them. Linda. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. The actress so is Stella. named Stella Stevens. Yeah. Um, that's right. That's, that's an okay. interesting Linda call. Robert. Uh I don't know. I can't say that, that I think, yes.
2: I think the answer's probably not, but it was still, I just wanted to share that uh, little connection that I drew.
0: I'm just imagining uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg going to see this together and, and saying like, <laughs> you know, in 10 years, let's make a movie starring a character like Linda.
2: <laughs> Spielberg's like, I'm into it. I'm going to marry her.
1: Yeah. Um, it wouldn't sure. have been the word I mean, in in terms of the adaptations you could make, the strange adaptations you can make from this film, that wouldn't be one of the worst. So I can see it.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, Linda and Mike Rogo, they have an interesting relationship, right?
1: Yeah. Boy, did I actually, on that a lot. I mean, when you first find out, and I'll, I'll leave the suspense uh, for a, a, another minute here, but the scene where you find out what the relationship is, like, I laughed out loud, like, for real. I thought it was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it's, it might say something about me. I don't know, but I thought it was uh, particularly funny in, in in not like a so bad it's good sort of way. But I thought it was actually kind of funny.
0: Ernest <laughs> a sport now. You can kind of sell anything, can't he? Oh yeah.
1: I mean, my God, that guy
0: <laughs>
2: so good. I listen uh, to anything those eyebrows say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you yeah, you no. I flopped
0: on that like, relationship, Sarah.
2: Yeah, I, I, I was like very like. I felt like I was being jerked around. Like I was being, um, like I was on some sort of boat that got knocked over by a wall of water. Um, (laughs) Where I see them together and I was like, wow, what a terrible relationship. And then five seconds later, you know, they're like, they have this tender moment. And, I was like, oh my gosh, they're great together. And then the next time you see them, she's like pissed at him and like clinging on to Reverend Scott like she doesn't have a husband sitting right next to her. And then he's like constantly screaming at her. And then like it goes on again, and you're like, oh, I guess, like, do you love each other? And I was like, I don't understand anything that's happening right now. I'm very confused about how I'm supposed to feel.
0: It is a little all over the place, but um, she has one of my uh, favorite lines in the movie when, um, you know, they're about to, like, climb up this Christmas tree to mm-hmm. potential safety, and uh, the Reverend tells her she needs to take off her gown. And so uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Mike Rogo, uh, her husband, gets upset. And uh, he says, what do you got underneath there? And she says, <laughs> panties, what else do I need? And,
1: uh, <laughs> we we should say that uh, in in case you haven't kind of figured it out or don't already know that. Uh, we had mentioned that Rogo is, is a police officer uh, and his, his lovely wife, Linda, is uh, a prostitute that he right. had arrested six times for, in his words, <laughs> uh, to get her off the street until she would marry him so it's very sweet
2: oh my cute. gosh
0: i think that our uh our good friend madeline from the departed would have a field day uh psychoanalyzing <laughs> these two I
2: linda though she is prescribing a bunch of heavy medications and then like quitting
1: yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> linda done... is a firebrand she we is should... she's a firebrand
0: she's good um... Yeah. She's She can, like, keep her uh, – hold her own when it comes to shouting with all the men in the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, so I mentioned earlier that Shelley Winters was uh, nominated for an Oscar for this movie. She actually won the Golden Globe, which is uh, – it's just kind of wild. Um, but the movie won two other Oscars. It won uh, a special notice for special effects, which I'm sure for the time uh, is is probably perfectly fair. And then it also won for best original song. Do you guys know what the <laughs> song was called?
2: Pos- Poseidon.
0: Uh, it was called Poseidon the song from the Poseidon adventure. <laughs> okay. All
1: right. <laughs> 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 um,
0: but it also got nominated for best score, which was by John Williams.
2: Oh yeah. I did read that. It was like one of his, uh, isn't this one of his first movies or first big movies that he did? Uh,
0: Yes, I believe so. I don't know if it was his first or just his first really high-profile one. But yeah, it was very early in his career. And, and I guess maybe uh, connects to our theory that George Lucas <laughs> and Steven Spielberg were watching this Joseph movie together. George
2: Lucas saw this movie and they loved it!
0: <laughs> um, the two other, I guess, biggest characters that we haven't really addressed at all are the kids, um, Susan and Robin, and uh, we talked a little bit about Robin because he like is our sort of exposition for the physical layout of the ship. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, Susan uh, gets to wear red shorts and uh, has a father-daughter relationship with the Reverend, which I think is just father-daughter, right?
2: No. God, uh, gross. no, I
1: I thought she was in love with him. <laughs> yeah, but it right may have just her been the things <laughs>
2: And he's, like, he's, like, barely responsible enough to, like, not actually, like, try and make out with her, but, like, not so (laughs) responsible that he can make it clear that he's, like, not into it, because he definitely is, like, a little bit. He's like, yeah. Come here, girl. Give me a Uh... hug.
0: (laughs) So, uh, the, the Reverend character, uh, I wanted to, I mentioned earlier that I want to talk really briefly about the novel, not because I've read it, but because I think it's what I've read about it is really interesting. And, um, I had read that, so, you know, the end of this movie and uh, how spoilery do we want to get?
2: Oh, I, let's, if you haven't seen it, why are you listening yeah, yes and It's fun.
1: It's, not it's kind of happens. Well, everything that happens you kind of expect to happen it's-
0: we're entering end game spoiler territory so if you've enjoyed the show but actually want to find out what happens for yourself then go rent the movie and come <laughs> back to the 40 minute or so mark and hear us talk about how reverend scott dies slash maybe kills himself
2: yeah i actually do want to talk about that um being uh, the bad um sunday school student that i was i had a <laughs> feeling that there was something like biblical about a reverend like dying in a lake of fire but then i don't actually know what the reference <laughs>
0: would be well i didn't really go very much either so i don't know
2: <laughs> um i liked that visually so like i actually i'm on i'm on board with this winning stuff for special effects because for, for 1970, you know two or whatever i think it looks great it yeah. looks better than half the stuff that like, gets made now yeah it
0: probably actually does look better than the remake but <laughs> <laughs> they'd be on um, a cgi
2: boat it's yeah like they stumbling are. around it's, a green screen
0: there's some weird silly things in that movie um but yes do we think that like he just like couldn't hang on anymore or that he didn't want to hang on anymore aaron,
2: hmm. Um. well you go first aaron yeah
1: i i don't have a sort of definitive or feel um particularly invested enough to, to have a, a big opinion on this, but um, I don't see why he couldn't have held on longer or, like, saved himself in some way, or, like, I, I mean, there there are probably a million ways that the film could have chosen for him to uh, quite easily, you know, save himself and save the rest of, of everyone else, so uh, it's probably more of the latter. Mm-hmm. Sarah, what do you think?
2: Um, I actually just thought that um, for as good as a lot of the movie looked, um, it had some problems with, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, if it's just, like, spatial or just, like, making you understand what what is happening in the place that you're in. Like, they're not... It was hard to tell sometimes, like, how big is this room? How small is this corridor? Like, what... I totally agree exactly where they are so I thought it was just that the movie was bad at in from like a knowing what angle to use to make it seem very clear that there was no way for him to get back and that he leaped you know left to the to the basically he's turning off this uh, powerful blast of steam that's preventing them from getting out the only exit in the room. And so it's like somebody has to go over there and turn it off, but there's not like ground under it. There's no bridge. There's no real visible way to get back. So I thought the movie was just bad at like showing that. So it's still like I still think he probably just like let go. But it was also it would be more because there is no way for him to swing back and like be safe. So like he's just like, all right, it's my time. Let's do this.
0: The movie could have used, like, a first-person sort of pan shot of, like, him trying to look for, like, some sort of route of escape and then realizing that, like, oh, there's not one, so fuck.
2: And then, like, filming it differently to make it that that thing that he's leaping toward look farther from where they were standing because the way it's shot, like, that is really not that far away. Can't you just, like, put your arm out? A way, get a hook or a rope, or tell so, yeah, to oh, put oh, their oh. hand out, and catch you. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, man. yeah. Seriously. Um. So. So. To. I guess to sort of solve this mystery, I will reference the novel. Um. Which. Uh. This is not so much a mystery. It's. It's fairly clear that he actually does sort of give up and and kill himself. And uh, from what I understand, the novel kind of really gets into his. Um his sort of religion and the idea that like he's so upset with God for bringing this upon like all these people that he like by the end of the movie he just completely loses his faith and so when he's here he just doesn't feel like he really has anything left to live for and so he sort of sacrifices himself and and doesn't want to keep going um which i think is really interesting and
2: he does have um, that whole speech about like right before where he's like shouting at god but i think the problem is that gene hackman literally shouts from the second he is on (laughs) screen until (laughs) the second he dies and so you're just like i have no idea if this what he's saying has any more urgency than him when he was like i want to go to the left (laughs) (laughs) go to the left (laughs) Uh, yep that's (laughs) fair fair. Uh,
0: I also think that probably for 1972 like they didn't want their big uh, universal you know their big uh, action movie of the year to delve into uh, sort of there is no god and reverence committing suicide so leave that a little open ended But be respectful for the fans of the novel and for the and for the source material itself. So um, I think you know they probably handle it as best they would for that time period.
1: That's probably true. Um, also, in sort of the confusion of everything, I would not have been surprised if he like came back at the end. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Like oh, it, yeah, that he right, wasn't right. really dead, kind of thing, that or water like wasn't really
0: on fire. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or, uh, I don't know, who knows. I mean, he's he's Gene Hackman. He could have survived it or something, I don't yeah. know. Or it could have been the sequel, but apparently it wasn't.
0: He was the treasure.
1: Yeah, oh, okay.
2: <laughs> oh, he is the treasure.
1: <laughs> Ameri- uh, American, American cinematic Tre- treasure.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: love Gene Hackman, and I love Gene Hackman in this movie. Although he is a little bit annoying with all the shouting.
2: Yeah, I, I uh... I just couldn't help laughing to myself because I was like, he made this movie, like, is it right before or right after, like, uh, the conversation and the French connection? Yeah, it's a stopgap like, like, between, the best, like, two the of the greatest, greatest movies. Life, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then this nonsense. <laughs>
0: He's, like, maybe five years removed from Bonnie and Clyde. And, uh, and yeah, it's... a. Uh, i don't really know so um i read a lot and i sort of referenced a little bit in my opening piece that like there is like a serious cult following for this movie um not Mm -hmm. just me um but there are people who like go to conventions and they like have big giant replicas of the ship and all this like crazy stuff and i don't want to say crazy stuff all this like very uh enthusiastic stuff and um Anyway, uh, a lot of the actors, sort of the, like the lesser known actors, um, will come to the conventions and sign autographs and, and give talks and stuff like that. Um, but Gene Hackman's never done anything like that, and, and from what I understand, he's like never really spoken publicly about this movie, and so I don't know if he's like unhappy with it or his performance or uh, you know what it is. But I think that's kind of an interesting note that um, you know this was probably the biggest hit of his career um, and probably propelled him to another sort of level in terms of like how big a star he is, but it's not something that he necessarily likes talking about. And certainly he's sort of become like a little bit of a reclusive guy, but still sort of interesting.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say he's also just kind of a weird kind of private person. So maybe that's all it is too.
0: Yeah. He's not on the Twitter. (laughs) Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of this movie? Did we leave any stones unturned? Well, we kind of getting back
1: unturned? to... Yeah, getting any ships unturned. Uh, and that kind of actually feeds into to the one last thing that I want to mention. And and it's a positive thing. Um, I think that uh, w- probably the best thing about the film, maybe other than the cast that it brings together, uh, is the the production design and the sets that they use, I think, were pretty fantastic. Um, I did notice in the credits that they filmed at least part of it on an actual ship, uh, which was, um, I think you could kind of feel that, uh, you could tell. And then obviously with the conceit that everything is upside down, you know, watching our people kind of walk around the ceilings and, and kind of seeing the, you know, the things that should be on the floor up above them. Uh, there, there are definitely uh, a couple of moments where I thought that that was really utilized well, especially when they're still in the big ballroom. Um, at the the point when the the ship flips around, it's probably the biggest action set piece of the film, and it was probably the hardest thing to film, uh, if I had to guess, because you you see a, you know everybody basically falling, uh, and it actually kind of led to an interesting kind of realization that I had. Um you see that after the, the the boat is flipped over uh all of the tables are still on the ceiling yeah um because they're they're like they're like bolted down onto the floor and i was kind of like oh that seems kind of weird but then then it's like obviously it's a ship you don't want mm-hmm. you know if there's any turbulence you don't want any you your table to start you know moving around so it was around. actually kind of smart and um uh i think that there there there's some some pretty cool moments where uh they use that uh that can really well, and I think it looks i mean it looks great the the film looks great it's it, they they spent you know whatever however much this movie costs to make, even if it isn't a you know as big an action film as these films tend to be now uh they spent their money wisely i think in in terms of the production
2: yeah, I agree with that um I would say that my one regret with watching this movie was actually that I watched it by myself um because for as much as i you know wanted to complain about some of the absurdity of it like i mentioned up top you know i love valley of the dolls i love mommy dearest like i love a good like campy goofy cheesy movie and that like on all fronts like there's so much that i see can be enjoyable about this movie but i had a hard time getting into it but just like sitting in the dark like alone in my apartment um and that whereas opposed like if i had friends over like watching it and laughing along and like you know like like the music box experience like a theater full of people that all like love the movie and you're all just like having a great time like i just feel like it's absolutely worth watching for as much as i shit on it during this
0: episode. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you, i don't think i you guys shit on it i mean i knew when i chose this movie that it was gonna be one that a uh not that many people have seen even though it was a huge hit it's just not something that like has had legs i think um and i'm not exactly sure why that is i mean
1: well it's a ship it's not a person
0: oh oh oh. (laughs) i think i no longer have the corniest joke of the episode so that's a relief
1: um i'm here for you brother
0: (laughs) but i think that also that you know there was a good chance that like so much of my enjoyment for this movie is uh rooted in nostalgia and that neither of you have that so uh i was definitely aware of sort of that coming in that you know it might not be the most popular choice of all the movies we've talked about on the podcast or even on the website but i'm glad that i'm glad that i chose it and and aaron i should say that you were the one who sort of nudged me in this direction so <laughs> so he's as much to blame yeah as I am,
1: well but. i mean the other option you brought to the table was just terrible so i mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't even remember what it was
0: it was beyond the Poseidon adventure. Um no. awesome. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so I'm glad that, like, you guys, you know, humored me, if you will, but also that, like, you engaged in, in, the, in the movie in sort of, like, a serious way and a silly way, because I think that there's a lot of both going on, which is kind of what I really like about it, that... You yeah, can you can watch it and laugh at it, and and maybe it's not as campy as Sarah or I would like because I love my camp as well. Um, but also, you can look at it and say like, all right, well, it's, it's trying something more than most of these movies do, and I, and I can appreciate the effort and and. Um, and, you know, kind of roll with that, too. So I mm. think in that sense, it's it's a fun movie to talk about. It's a fun movie to watch. And um, if you haven't seen it and you're listening, uh, I'm sorry that we spoiled the whole thing. But probably, uh, you know, I'm going to say go ahead and check it out.
1: Yeah, I don't think that will matter. Um, I will say as a fourth, <laughs> as a fourth opinion, uh-huh. my wife came into the room while I was watching this, probably after like a half an hour had gone by. Uh, And then she had some place she had to go, so she had, like, she had to leave, but she, while she was there, she was, like, totally into it. Oh, that's cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she also thought that it was about the Greek mythology (laughs) and and not about a boat called the Poseidon. Um, So, I mean, I take, take her... Take her excitement for the movie with a grain of salt, I guess. i um, she was just but, uh, no, she, was, to roll in, she yeah. was she was totally into it. I think at one point she called Gene Hackman a hunk. Um, <laughs> so that that's you got that going for it. Um, and uh, no, I she didn't want to leave when she had to. So that's that's a ringing endorsement, I think. She
0: didn't want to leave when she had to. <laughs> That's yeah, good. she wanted I'm,
1: to stay and finish the movie. I'm
0: happy to hear that because I asked my wife if she wanted to watch it with me this time around, and she said no. Why would I want to do that?
2: <laughs> Fair <laughs> point.
1: I think I think, and uh, we need to get a bizarro podcast going with with uh, our wives and, and Sarah's husband, uh, and they could they could be like the B side of uh <laughs> of the movies that we watch that could be a fun experiment
0: that would be fun or they could podcast about our podcasts
2: um well mine would have to listen to it for us to be able to do that yeah i just called you out on this podcast sir almost
0: <laughs> an hour in <laughs> um so uh up front you probably heard our new theme song sarah do you want to tell folks about that
2: Yeah, we just want to give a shout out to the Hemingbirds for the use of our new theme song Half a Second off the album Half a Second. Um, Thanks, guys. Thank you very
0: much. And uh, we're going to be back in a couple weeks with our next episode. Do we want to talk about that at all?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Sarah, this is actually it. it's it's your it's <laughs> your lead. So why don't you go ahead and, and we're going to watch go on. uh,
2: one of my favorite movies of all time from one of the best years of movies in recent memory. We are going to watch No Country for Old Men, uh, and it's amazing, and I can't wait. I I'm can't wait.
1: Gu- I'm guessing our conversation won't be so cynical and and jokey or making fun of the movie as as it was this week. TBD thing
2: is, my ghost is coming after you all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> With a coin and a blowgun.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, cool. Well, thank you all for listening if you are still out there. Um, and uh, you can read all about our uh, coverage of the Poseidon Adventure and all of our other films at com, and you can also like us on Facebook uh, search for The Sin Essential or follow us on Twitter at The Sin Essential um, for more awesome movie content and uh, download new episodes of the podcast on iTunes, we're there um, just search for The Sin Essential and uh, give us a review while you're there if you enjoyed listening to it if you didn't enjoy, then that sucks for you So, but uh, give us
2: a review anyway, that's five stars yes please, thank you thank you <laughs>
0: So, uh, I'm John, and for Aaron and Sarah, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Bye!